Hello, everyone. Welcome to Minghui Radio, bringing you podcasts of stories relating to the persecution of Falun Gong in China, insights and experiences gained by practitioners during the course of their cultivation, special items of interest, and music composed and performed by Dafa practitioners. The following is an experience sharing article entitled "Remembering to Have Compassion While Helping Other Practitioners." By a Falun Dafa practitioner in China, the article was published on the Minghui website on January sixth, two thousand twenty-four. Last year, a message was sent to our group email asking if anyone could help Miss Ma. She lived alone, was sixty years old, blind, and suffered from impaired hearing. Because of the persecution, her pension was reduced. After she was released from the detention center, local police officers looked for her. Her life was difficult, and she couldn't take care of herself. The person who sent the email asked if someone could take her home and help her. Part one: Accepting a challenge. No one replied to the email. A few days passed, and there was still no reply. I thought I live alone, and we're both women, so I'm qualified. Since she's blind, it would be difficult. Then I thought if she could get by on her own, she wouldn't need help. Besides, if her situation persisted, it would be dangerous for her. I began practicing Falun Dafa more than twenty years ago. Master asked us in "No Omission in Buddha Nature" from Essentials for Further Advancement, quote, "So as to attain the righteous enlightenment of selflessness and altruism." End quote. Wasn't this a cultivation opportunity? I let go of my selfish thoughts and decided to bring Miss Ma into my home, study the Fa, and help her break through her tribulation. When I told the coordinator, he agreed. I told him about my situation. I go out to clarify the facts to people face to face every day, and my meals are very simple. When she stayed with me, since I couldn't come home to prepare lunch for her, I would put some crackers in an accessible place so she had something to eat. The coordinator talked to her about giving me a monthly allowance of one thousand yuan. To cover her expenses, she agreed. I got her bed and so on. When everything was ready, the coordinator brought Miss Ma to my home. Part two: The first conflict. Since Miss Ma couldn't see what she was eating, I put the food into her bowl. If her water got cold, I boiled water and refilled her mug. I felt she caused a lot of additional work for me. However, I reminded myself to be considerate. A few days later, an issue arose. I returned from going out to clarify the facts and visiting a practitioner who was seriously interfered with by illness karma. So I came home an hour later than usual. Before I could explain, Miss Ma shouted, "I'm starving!" With her hearing problem, it was hard for her to hear anything, so I shouted into her ear, 
I left you some biscuits. Why didn't you eat them? She said she didn't like them. I thought, didn't we talk about this? Why did you change your mind? It would have taken too much effort to explain, but I still felt wronged. I thought, I took you in out of goodwill when no one else was willing to help. Having you in my home put me under a lot of pressure. Since the local police are searching for you, you don't appreciate me, but instead you are giving me a hard time. I felt unbalanced and wronged. When I read the file that night, I looked inward. Her behavior was no coincidence. If I were her, would I have as much courage as she did? I suddenly felt sympathy for her, and I thought about her strong points. Even though she was blind, she tried to help me and mopped the floor every day. Gradually, I began to calm down. I told Master, I was wrong. I lacked compassion. I decided to make dumplings for her, and I put them where she could reach them. I told her, When you're hungry, if you don't feel like eating biscuits, I prepared dumplings. I'll rearrange my schedule, and we'll have three meals a day from now on. Part three: More conflicts. A few days later, she had another request. She wanted to eat some fruit. I said, "Let's have the fruit that we placed in front of Master's portrait." She didn't say anything and ate it. The next day, she asked about some snacks. I suppressed my unbalanced heart and began to look inward. Where did I fall short? I've been doing the three things every day. I didn't want to spend so much time cooking. I felt I cultivated diligently. So why was there so much trouble? She increasingly escalated her requests, which made me realize that I must have attachments I needed to look into. I asked the master to give me a hint. I'm trying to let go of my ego and unconditionally have compassion and forbearance. I studied the far diligently and finally enlightened. Didn't I only pay attention to doing things rather than cultivating myself? I went out to save people every day, but I felt I was diligent, yet I didn't truly cultivate my xinxin. That night. I dreamed a young girl fell into a deep well. I jumped in without hesitation. However, the well was filled with water. I began to bail it out. Later, many people came to help. When there was no water left, the young girl's head was exposed. When I lifted her up, she was still alive. After I woke up, I knew Master benevolently enlightened me to tell me. Help, Miss Ma. I knew I needed to look inward. I stopped thinking about how she was wrong, but rather how the situation was testing me, and pointed out my attachments. Looking inward is truly great. I was able to treat her kindly. With she got plenty of snacks, our environment calmed down. Part four. Helping fellow practitioners is helping myself. I had another dream. 
I found a young girl when I was working in the deep ditch. She was still alive. I took her home. I knew Master was giving me another hint. I enlightened. I was the only one who could save this young girl who was surrounded by difficulty after difficulty. I suddenly felt confident and thanked Master. Through continuous fast study and looking inward, I've gone through tremendous transformations, both physically and mentally. I can put myself in other people's shoes and completely let go of my ego. Miss Ma also changed. She stopped being picky and was willing to talk about her experiences. I suggested she look inward for her to have incurred such a great tribulation. Where had she gone wrong? After I read her master's new articles, such as past the deadly test and so on, I shared with her in depth. She was illegally detained many times because she couldn't endure the persecution. She was repeatedly transformed by the guards. She was held for more than forty days in the brainwashing center, and submitted multiple articles. Defaming Master and Dafa against her will. After she was released and went out of town to take on labor work, she also made the mistake of feeling lost. I was deeply shocked. How could a practitioner do this? Was she still a practitioner? If she couldn't step forward to validate the Fa and save sentient beings, how could she make up for what she did? Would the old forces let her get away with it? My heart was moved. I thought about the hint from Master in my dream, and my righteous thoughts arose. Master said in Fa teaching given at the meeting with Asia Pacific practitioners, "Quote, I can't leave behind any Dafa disciple." End quote. I quickly rectified my attachment of looking down on her. Falun Dafa is powerful. And master is compassionate. I wanted to get rid of this attachment and just do the things that a practitioner is supposed to do. I worked with a coordinating practitioner and kept looking inward. I also shared with Miss Ma on the Fa and helped her understand what a Fa rectification period practitioner should do to validate the Fa. The coordinator often downloaded the podcast of sharing articles to an MP3 player, so she could listen to them, and we could continuously send forth righteous thoughts for Miss Ma. Gradually, her righteous thoughts strengthened. She had new understandings about doing the three things. She also gradually learned to look inward. She realized for her to have an abnormal state. Stemmed from the old forces' persecution, she said, "I was afraid of being persecuted to death, and being beaten by the guards. Therefore, I went against Dava against my will. I even went as far as defaming Dava and Master. Now I'm not afraid of anything." She admitted her mistakes and asked Master to forgive her. Part Five: Righteous Thoughts. Miss Ma finally changed. Her righteous thoughts became stronger, and she decided to go back to her sister's place, where she'd have to face the police officers who persecuted her and clarify the facts to them.
She said, I realized I'm here to assist Master in saving sentient beings. If the police who persecuted me continue their persecution, can they be saved? I need to save them. She planned to clarify the facts to the police after she returned to her sister's home and needed some materials. I prepared some and I repeatedly read the content to her so she memorized it. When she was confident, she said, I'll talk to them. Part 6 Finally Breaking Through the Tribulation We took her bank card to the nearest branch to find out the balance. We were pleasantly surprised to see there was 1,800 yuan in her account, which was exactly her pay for one month. We knew that Miss Ma was on the right path. We were grateful for Master's compassionate arrangement. Twenty days later, the coordinator and I went to see Miss Ma. She was excited to see us and said, I had my sister call the police in my hometown to tell them that I was back. Sure enough, the director of the local 610 office brought two police officers over. After we greeted each other, I began to clarify the facts to them. I said what I had to say and they listened. My sister was a bit nervous, but I had no fear. They never came back. The following is an experience sharing article presented at the 2023 Taiwan Falandafa Cultivation Experience Sharing Conference entitled Falandafa Saved Me When My Situation Was Desperate by a Falandafa Practitioner in Taiwan. The article was published on the Mingwei website on December 26, 2023. Greetings, esteemed master and fellow practitioners. Before I started practicing Falandafa 14 months ago, the doctor said I only had two months to live. I would like to tell you how I went from the depths of despair to obtaining a new lease on life. Part 1. The Desire to Cultivate As a result of the COVID-19 epidemic, my workplace suspended all in-person work activities. I spent most of my time surfing the internet at home. In May 2022, I came across some information which talked about the immortality of one's soul. I was inspired and felt a strong desire to cultivate. I searched everywhere online, but could not find a credible cultivation method. I used to suffer from kidney stones, which required a regular administration of shockwave lithotripsy at the hospital to break them down. Towards the end of July 2022, I visited the hospital for treatment. The nurses told me, the stones were broken into much smaller pieces this time. You should be able to discharge them from your body quickly. Strangely, the pieces did not discharge. Three days later, at 4 a.m., I was admitted to the hospital for severe abdominal pain and surgery was deemed necessary to remove the residual stones. As general anesthesia was required, the hospital took a precautionary chest x-ray. After the doctor looked at my x-rays, he asked, Did you know there is a big tumor in your chest? The information struck me like a thunderbolt. According to the hospital director, 
The computer tomography scans assessed the tumor to be massive, and he urged me to quickly seek treatment. He recommended two renowned thoracic specialists. One told us he was certain the tumor was 90% lymphoma. I spent the next two weeks at home waiting for the hospital to call and admit me for treatment. When no call came, my wife and I went to the hospital. During our visit, the department had told us my 8-centimeter tumor was completely enmeshed within key arteries and blood vessels that supplied the heart. Any surgical procedure might be fatal. Subsequent detailed examinations confirmed the cancer cells had not metastasized, and I was diagnosed with a rare mediastinal tumor. The hospital arranged an appointment with the hematology and oncology department at the end of August. We received news of my mother-in-law's passing on August 20th and returned to Hualien the following day to attend her funeral. During dinner, a sentence appeared vividly in my mind. They want to impose a disease on you and let you undergo treatment. I immediately replied, then I refuse any more treatments. The following day, I returned to the Department of Hematology and Oncology for my consultation. The specialist looked at my report and said, After studying the examination report and your symptoms, we haven't been able to diagnose your disease. I was shocked. These words echoed the voice I heard earlier. Doctors told me they confirmed it was a carcinoid tumor on October 4th. Because of its size and dangerous location, they suggested I undergo a high-dose chemotherapy as soon as possible. When I asked the doctor to give me two months before checking on my situation again, the doctor replied, By then, you will need emergency treatment, and moreover, we can't guarantee your survival. I was unaware my condition had already reached a highly critical state. By then, the tumor was pressing on and blocking the blood vessels that channeled blood, causing a severe lack of oxygen throughout my body. My face was swollen, and I coughed up blood and felt short of breath. I had difficulty swallowing and did not have the strength to chew when I ate. Part 2. Encountering Falun Dafa I met with a few friends at a gathering on October 1st. One of the attendees was a friend who practiced Falun Dafa for more than 10 years, and he recommended I read Juan Falun. I frequently traveled to China for work and my exposure to the propaganda about Falun Dafa caused me to avoid all information related to the practice. I researched Falun Dafa after I returned home. Besides discovering that Falun Dafa teaches practitioners to cultivate kindness, I found out the practice was available freely. It could even be found online. Convinced that this was the upright cultivation way I had been looking for, I started learning the exercises and listening to audio recordings of Master's lectures from the website. About two weeks later, I woke up feeling irritation in my right nasal cavity. I sneezed out a wad of mucus studded with blood clots. Since then, the nasal congestion and runny nose which had plagued me for over 20 years was gone. For years, I tried and failed to cure my condition with traditional Chinese remedies, Western medicine, and eating healthy foods. Yet, Falun Dafa cured this. I originally wanted to cultivate before I died, hoping that my cultivation would remain deeply ingrained in my heart. If I had the good fortune to reincarnate as a human in my next life, I wanted to continue practicing Falun Dafa. My rapid health improvements aroused my wife's interest. She began reading up on Falun Dafa and started learning the practice, 
Within two months, I recovered from various chronic conditions, such as headaches, back pain, nasal congestion and discharge, frequent phlegm, eye floaters, and heart palpitation. My tumor was originally 8 centimeters and was an obvious lump in my middle right chest. It vanished, and I only realized it one day when I couldn't find it with my hands. My bloody coughing and intense sternum pain were gone, and I was no longer breathless when walking from the second to the third floor. Today, climbing from the first to the fifth floor is a breeze, and my body is in better shape than it was in my forties. I used to suffer from kidney stones several times a year. To date, it has been more than a year, but my kidney stones have not recurred. Part 3. Doing the Three Things Well Life is unpredictable and confusing. The truth will bring clarity and destiny will bestow blessings. I first read this passage in Mingwei Weekly when I was telling people about Falun Dafa and clarifying the truth at Chuangguan Temple, located in Sun Moon Lake. Many tourists who visit this scenic spot have been poisoned by the CCP's propaganda and avoid us. Yet there are some who are saved through our efforts and have expressed their heartfelt gratitude. Having received this precious opportunity to cultivate, my wife and I no longer wander through life lost in confusion among everyday people. We study the Fa and practice the exercises each day. We also participate in group Fa study and truth clarification activities. During our second trip to Sun Moon Lake, a practitioner from our Fa study group reminded everyone, the purpose of our trip is to clarify the truth and convey our compassion. We should raise people's awareness of Dafa. Don't jump the gun and try to convince people to practice cultivation. This statement jolted me into thinking. After obtaining the Fa and receiving so many benefits, my wife and I were determined to persuade others to obtain the Fa. Although those we spoke to reacted positively, they refused to practice. Our impatience may have hindered their opportunity to obtain the Fa. That day, we experienced the harmonious and powerful energy which enabled us to convey words of compassion and clarify the truth about Falun Dafa. Towards those who rejected or responded with rudeness, our hearts remained unmoved, and we continued to offer our compassion. We also felt the kind and stable energy emitted by fellow practitioners who have been cultivating for many years. This motivated my wife and I to work harder at cultivation, to build up our inner energies and more effectively clarify the truth. At first, my wife and I practiced at home. With the Fa teachings and the five sets of exercises freely available online, we felt we could practice diligently on our own without needing to participate in group Fa study sessions. But, after participating in a FAW study session with fellow practitioners in May, I realized the great benefits group FAW study and experience sharing had for our cultivation. My wife and I have been practicing Falun Dafa for more than a year, but our understanding is very shallow. I can only use this preliminary understanding to tell you about my cultivation experiences and thank Master for his compassion. Thank you, esteemed Master. Thank you, fellow practitioners. Thank you for listening to the Minghui Radio Podcast. For more information, including news about the persecution of Falun Gong practitioners in China and experience sharing stories by practitioners around the world, please visit our website at en.minghui.org.